Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Between Realities VR podcast. Ast, ast, ast. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> it's it. funny because we have an echo button. Yeah, I know. And all of a sudden, I was like saying words <laughs> taken out of context maybe wouldn't be great. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm Alex. I am one half of Between Realities. And hey, I'm Skiva. Oh, and that's Skiva, and he is the other half of Between Realities. How are you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. That's good. What a, what a great. Uh, you know, I always say it. Great time for VR. There's so much stuff happening. There's headsets coming out. There's games coming out. Uh, it's just, it's just such a good time. I, I can barely contain my excitement like every day. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, I don't know if this is something that you want to mention. Stop me, but today is oh today. Well, and this is pre-recorded. It is so. But yeah, today is actually my my last. Or uh, yesterday was my last day at Vertigo Games, and uh, and today is my first day full time with Impact Reality. Congratulations! So, thank man. you so much, man. You know I love Vertigo Games so much. They make one of my favorite games after the fall. I love Arizona Sunshine. I love everything they do. The people there are phenomenal. Such an awesome studio. Um, you know, ultimately, I want to help all of VR and not just one studio. Yeah. Um, although, you know, but I, I love them and I appreciate everything they've ever done for me. So thank you, Vertigo. Love you guys. Um, uh, but yeah, check out Impact Reality as well. Um, but yeah, so it's that's not my a bad, thing. Uh, not yeah. a bad line item on a resume. Yeah, right. Know, and be like, oh yeah, Vertigo Games back there. Yeah, I did some work with Vertigo <laughs> Games. Oh, you know, after the fall. Yeah, you know that one. So, yeah, it's really awesome, man. It's exciting. You know, yeah, I'm uh, excited to see the next uh, the next step in the evolution of Impact Reality. And yeah. it's like sometimes you have to take that step, you know, yeah. close the door behind yeah. you kind of situation. Oh, absolutely. That's where we're at. Absolutely. Well, Skiva yeah. just mentioned the show is pre-recorded, yeah. right? So you'll be catching this uh, in between our typical uh, live Friday episodes actually because it's also a bonus episode. It is, and this one is was just too awesome to not do. Yeah. Even though we had our shows booked to the end of the season, we just absolutely had to get this in um, because you know it's it's up there with one of my favorite VR games mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. Like I really like this game yeah this is so gonna be i'm excited to talk this about is it. gonna be awesome you know hey mm-hmm. shout out by the way to anybody watching the premiere live we're in the chat we're all having a good time right we have our, our regulars and our usuals i can already feel you guys even though this episode is not live it feels like it could be i can feel <laughs> your energies so thank you guys for watching and you might be catching it on spotify right or itunes or wherever you like podcasts that's cool um you know but youtube is the spot just for the record, y'all. Like, yeah, you can't see our beautiful spaceship if you don't watch it on YouTube. Well, actually, you can because now we are we are we were pre-approved for um for one of for Anchor and Spotify's video podcast, which uh, there you go, which is great. There's so not a whole the lot video. of them, so watch it yeah, unless you're it driving. Don't watch. Yeah, it yeah, don't driving. do that. Okay, mm-hmm. don't do that. Um, but yeah, thank you guys and shout out to the Patreon. Shout out to the channel members. Without your guys' support, this would be a lot less cool. Um, mm-hmm. But because you support us, we can get cooler things and things get cooler. So thank you guys all so a much lot of cool. for being a part. Oh yeah, it's mm-hmm. cool, man. It's super super cool. So <laughs> what else is cool is um, feeling like a superhero. You know, that's one of the things that VR is really all about, right? Like you get superpowers and you can do things that you're not typically able to do. Yeah. Um, you know, and sometimes games happen with like huge ips of actual superheroes you know well actual actual 
real known, known Marvel, Marvel, you know, superheroes. Iron Man superheroes, right? <laughs> yeah, right. And you know, it takes superheroes themselves to bring some of these experiences to us. You know, VR is, as mm-hmm. all of you guys know, it can be very niche. It hasn't reached like that insane mass adoption rate. So you're not always sure if you're going to be able to get these like crazy awesome IPs involved with the games. But some people out there are working magic, and one of those people has joined us today. He is the founder and studio director at Camouflage, a studio that we are all quite familiar with. Yes. And he's here with us right now, and his name is Ryan Ryan Payton. Hello, Mr. Ryan. Thank you for joining us, man. Hey, Alex. Hey, Skiva. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, We're so happy. So happy to have you here. A pleasure and an honor. Yeah, I feel like Camouflage is just known for putting out quality stuff i mean stop yeah. me if I'm wrong here but i feel like camouflage is known for putting out good stuff i'm sure you must be uh, proud of the studio's accomplishments so far uh yeah i did that was you know, a big part of the vision of the studio when i started it 11 12 years ago uh and uh, yeah i'm sure we'll get into it but uh with the release of marvel's iron man vr on, on quest 2 in november last year uh, i think that was an opportunity for us to you know, put, put the game into front of more people and um, just seeing the, the, the response that we got and uh, the reviews and everything was like a real good jolt for the team to, to kind of show them that, yes, yeah, we, we do. We talk about making a lot of high quality stuff, but then yeah, at the end of the day, it really matters what the, what, what, what the public thinks about it. And that was a good, really good vindication for us. Cause yeah, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's ultimately all about making quality, meaningful games. Right. Well, the proof is in the pudding, man. You mm-hmm. know, like Thank people you. who played Thank this you. game, they have nothing but great things to say about it. You yeah, know? on either platform, because this came out originally on PSVR, which is where I played it my first playthrough, right? And this was one of those games where everyone was talking about how this was the first studio to really nail the tracking system, right? Because there were always, you know, some some issues with the light-based tracking system on the PSVR 1. Yeah. Uh, and when you put the cameras out of view, things went a little wonky. Um, but everyone said that Camouflage was able to... to uh, to conjure up some crazy voodoo or something to make <laughs> this work as well as it did. Um, and then it came to the Quest 2, and it was an even better experience. Higher resolution, better tracking. Like, it, it was like, I feel like this is where this game was meant to be. Wow. All right. Listen, I feel like we're getting ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> yeah. This sure. is this is exciting, you know? Like, I want to learn, le- learn all about this, right? And I yes. definitely want to get Ryan's get perspective. Yeah. But I kind of want to start with you a little bit. Ryan, you know, like you started camouflage 10, 11 years ago, you just mentioned, which I didn't even know the studio has been around that long. Like that's amazing. Um, mm. But you've been in the games industry for quite a while. And, you know, I was uh, creeping on you a little bit and I noticed that you have been involved in some pretty high profile projects, if I may say so. So do you want to give us a little bit of a, I don't know, like a quick little history of your involvement in the gaming industry? Sure, I'll try to keep it uh, high level, and then if you want to drill down any of these 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 moments in in, in my career, I'm more than happy to. But uh, yeah. yeah, I started off as a as a journalist for for games, uh, and uh, just love I've loved games my whole life, and uh, really wanted to work on games, but I, I didn't really have a path uh, there uh, immediately. So I ended up writing for video game magazines that I'm sure uh, you know probably some of your 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 viewers and listeners uh, may remember from back in the day, like EGM. I was writing for OneUp.com. Wired magazine, um, and eventually, you know, I was I was based in Japan actually at the time, so I was writing for a newspaper out of here called the Japan Times. But I was able to parlay that into a, a to a job at Konami, working on Metal Gear Solid Four primarily, uh, 
and uh, as a producer, as a, like entry level producer, and had a lot of success there. I was really really lucky. So I mean, your first video game job was working on Metal Gear at Kojima Productions in Ridiculous. Japan. Wow, living a very charmed life. Okay, uh, right? we can pop the brakes there for a quick second. Sure. So you were producer sure. on the project. Like, what kind of like uh, contributions do you make as a producer on a video game? Yeah. So the 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 way the kind of setup was, I, I had a I had a, a, a interview appointment with Hideo Kojima for Metal Gear Solid Three Subsistence. Uh, as a journalist and after the interview he 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 asked me to come in and and work for him or or interview for a job and so i was kind of at the from the very beginning helping kind of coordinate between konami japan europe united states translating emails back and forth work like kind of coordinating key art all anything and everything that needed to be done i was willing to do it because i'm entry level producer and super excited i love metal gear yeah uh, so it was kind of a dream come true but uh yeah, uh, as a producer and, you know, shifting my focus towards as I'm learning more about the game is like, you know, how do you make a great game? How do you deliver that? How do you work with a team? And yeah, I, uh, I got my, I got my, I put my fingers in all sorts of pies and they were super cool with letting me do that. And in a very fast, short, short time of uh, a span of time, about three years, I went from, yeah, translating emails to giving a lot of direction uh, to the, to the team for Metal Gear Solid 4. Uh, which was an absolute honor to be able to do. Wow. Wow. I, I, I love the Metal Gear series. Yeah. I really do. I love Konami. I love Hideo Kojima. Um, so this is all very nostalgic for me. Like, you know, I started on Metal Gear Solid 2 and have played, I think, all of them um, and really enjoy that series. So that's so, great. Great work so with your contributions. You were living in oh. Japan. And one of the reasons why we've done a pre recorded episode today is because we needed to time things out because you're still in Japan, right? Like, that's, that's right. That's yeah. pretty amazing. Well, it's part of my my story. I actually ended up coming returning to Japan, but there was about a uh, what 13, 14 year hiatus. What took you out there initially? Uh, you know, I was just talking to uh, to to a guy about this the other day about how he went to a Japanese gentleman who went to school here in Japan, went to college, and uh, was studying English. And I said, "Okay, let's speak in English." And he's like, "Ah, oh, it's been many years, man." And he's like, "I really regret not using it." I'm like. Yeah, that's that's where I was when I, I graduated from college. I wanted to be, I, you're, especially back where like in the in the age that I grew up, a lot of the messaging if you wanted to work in video games is you had to have like a computer science major. You need to be able to program. Yeah. And so I went to school for that, and I did I did very very poorly. Uh, I was like very very close to getting kicked out of school because my grades in computer science were so bad. And I remember my dad looking at my transcript and saying, "Yeah, you, Ryan." Some people are good at some things, and some people are just not good at some things. And you just not do <laughs> computer science and math. Like you just need to accept that. But look at your like your your Japanese, your Chinese, your business uh, 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 grades. Not so bad, right? So I ended up graduating uh, with like kind of a mixed mixed uh, degree. And I thought, look, if I don't move to Japan and, and or China and use use this uh, use these language skills, I'm going to forget them. Like the, like this guy that I met recently and. I'm glad I did. Uh, it, it took me on a very wayward path. Uh, where my first night in Japan, I just broke down and cried, thinking I made the huge mistake, like one of the biggest mistakes in my life. But as you know, and you're, I'm sure for both of you guys, for, for both you, Alex and Skiva, like sometimes some of the harder parts of your life, you know, it, it leads you to uh, bigger and better things. You just don't realize it at the time. And it uh, turns out that taking a job teaching English in a fishing village in very rural Japan ended up being a really good uh, step uh, forward for, for my path in my eventual dream to become a video game developer. Wow. wow. <laughs> it's like, it sounds like this village didn't have video games in it. 
<laughs> you know, like a fishing village. The only video games were going on it was at my place. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man, that's really awesome. That is what an amazing story. It's hard to just move states. Never mind moving to the other side of the globe with language barriers, cultural barriers, yeah. all of these things. Right? That's that's um, very inspiring to hear that you know that you know people go out there and they and they chase their dreams and. Um, Mm-hmm. That's great. So that somehow you get involved with Metal Gear, which is amazing. Is there anything like in Metal Gear Solid Four that you can like point people to, and you're like, yeah, you see that that part of that scene or whatever? That's that's me right there. You know, just for the record, that's me. I, I could literally, yeah, Alex, I could literally do that. Uh, there's a scene in chap in, in in Act Three, which is based uh, on a research trip that we did to to Prague. Um, and the opening scene when when Snake arrives at the train station, there's some pedestrians in the background. And yeah, I can pause the game and literally point to me. They scanned me. And oh, you are actually like, in it. Whoa! <laughs> so that was kind of fun. So I could I could point to that. But I mean, there's a you know, it's been it's been a long time since I've I've worked on that game. So I yeah. forget. I'm sure I've forgotten forgotten many things. Uh, but I was. Primarily focused on a lot of game balance and um, and just anything and everything. I would just play the game every day and, and give a lot of feedback. Actually, but that was such a major production. I mean, at peak, we had 250 people on that game. Uh, s- such a highly anticipated title. You know, a real flagship title for PlayStation 3. Yeah. Uh, and we just put anything and everything we could into that title. For me, the, the, the kind of turning point for my career uh, early on was my contributions to another Metal Gear game while we're also developing MGS4, which is a game for PSP called Metal Gear Solid Portable Ops. And that is the game that put my career on a rocket ship, basically. Long story short, super, super truncated development. I mean, we, we built that game from start to finish within one year. And uh, with a team about 20, maybe 30 at peak, and uh, that game had a lot of ups and downs, and it gave me an opportunity to jump in there and and uh, and really help that project. So my fingerprints are all over that title, and I'm super proud of it. Wow, that just took me back again in time. I, I remember sitting there with my PSP in hand playing that game. Wow. Yeah, nice. I loved so that you do game. The, um, the Wi-Fi uh, yeah. kind of scanning so you could recruit other soldiers. Yeah, they had some really cool features. I was like... It was very, it had um, mechanics in it that weren't typical of other Metal Gear Solid games, right? And uh, I thought it was great. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, it's a, it's a gem. It's, it, it, eventually that game would be, I think, uh, surpassed by uh, Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker on PSB. They had a massive team on it. They just blew out the scope. But we kind of laid the foundation for a lot of Peace Walker in Portable Ops. Really proud of that game. And again, the fact that that team built that game in like about 10 or 11 months still to this day blows my mind. That's a short yeah. cycle for any game ever. That is yeah. such a short cycle. And the PlayStation Portable was such an interesting console. Like I didn't have one growing up, you know, or like when it was relevant, I guess I should say. Um, but I recently acquired one from like a family friend. They're like, hey, you want some video games? I'm like, yeah, sure. And in the box is a PSP oh, cool. and a bunch of games in it. Um, Metal Gear is not in there, unfortunately. Uh, but what is in there is like 15 to 20 movies. 
You know, oh, yeah, this is yeah. like yeah. before yeah. cell phones as yeah. we know them today. So like yeah. if you wanted to watch a movie on the go, you were watching on your PSP. Like yeah, that's I remember. just so awesome. I remember, man. Wow, those were the days. Yeah. Days of portables. Those were the days. That was so. the golden age of portables, honestly. Like it PSP, was. like DS, like three yep. DS even. Yeah. Gosh, I wow. love those consoles. Amazing. Um, okay, so awesome. So you get in, involved in these metal gear solid projects. Um, you're not done now at this point. Like you've got other really awesome projects that you have participated in and big, a hu- been a huge part of um, before getting to camouflage, right? You're right. And uh, I, you know, ship Metal Gear Solid 4, it took everything out of me, uh, including the rest of the team. You know, we're just exhausted by the end of that title. And, uh, and I had a long vacation uh, kind of built on and accumulated from all the, all the over, overtime and weekends I had worked. And uh, went home to the to, to to Washington State, kind of Seattle area, um, and uh, and we, I was spending time with my with my with my folks, my brother, and it's again kind of the way, weird way that that life works. Uh, and I was getting getting weird phone calls from the hospital for my mom, and then while you know it was my first week back, I think, and you know, I'm catching up all these video games I had I haven't played for uh, that I missed while I was working on Metal Gear. And uh, she sits the family down and says that, you know, she's been diagnosed with with breast cancer and, um, you know, things are going to get pretty hard, but, uh, you know, she's going to fight through it. And and uh, but, you know, my dad was still working and 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 he, he, he pulled me aside. He's like, I think you need to come back so we uh, we can all take care of mom together. And yeah, so it was a pretty easy decision to make, even mm-hmm. though, you know, I was working in, in some regards on my with, uh, at my dream job. Right. And I was excited about what was next for the company. Um, thankfully, my mom. Cancer survivor is still doing well, um, but yes. that was awesome. a scary time. And I went to I yeah. went to back to Japan. I told Hideo, and he was very supportive. And he's like, "Yeah, thanks for your contributions. I wish we could have worked for many, many more years." But um, he he got it. And uh, and then yeah, so I yeah, moved back and uh, and then started interviewing for a job more locally. And uh, <laughs> I interviewed a lot of places, and, and one of them was at the the new Halo studio that Microsoft was starting. Three four three. They had maybe 10, 11, 12 employees there. And um, another long story short, I ended up getting a job offer to be creative director uh, there, which very quickly led to uh, be becoming creative director on Halo 4, the first kind of major Halo title out of that new 343 Industries studio. Wow. <laughs> like, dude, you got a pretty good track record going at this point, man. Like, <laughs> oh, just, just wait, Alex. It, it gets, uh, I don't know, it gets kind oh. of bad, but uh, yeah, so oh. far things are going really good. Right. For me. So far things are going good. Your creative director on this, on Halo 4, the first game put out by the new Halo Studios. Um, what kind of contributions as a creative director now are you making? You know, I look at this as a. <laughs> once in a lifetime opportunity in a lot of ways. And at the time too, to give myself a little bit of credit, even though I'm what, 26, 27 at the time, uh, I understand just how special and unusual it is uh, for somebody like me that I, while I was doing some creative direction on Metal Gear, I, w- I wasn't directing a whole title from soup to nuts. And yet here I am being tasked to do that for one of the biggest franchises uh, in gaming, and especially at that time when Halo was really at its at its peak. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, I took I took that job very seriously and worked my butt off. Um, I'm I'm a hard worker no matter what, but yeah, I mean, wake up as early as I possibly can, force myself to wake up and and, and working as late as I possibly could, just so dedicated to the project, so obsessed with it. And coming up with working with with Frank O'Connor and other folks to, to come up with a story, working with the designers like 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 Scott Warner and others to come up with the design of the game, 
Um, and I mean, those, those Halo titles are massive. And um, yeah, I, I, I put a lot of myself into, into that title. Wow, that's amazing. So in, in these kind of roles that you've had at these studios, you're able to like make contributions in a lot of different areas. Like you're contributing to story and like maybe the gameplay and like other aspects and like environment uh, aesthetics and things like that. Am I, am I right? Yeah, I mean, I, my, it's, it's funny if you look at and you zoom out at the creative, all the creative directors in the games industry, I found over the years that uh, they kind of fall into a, diff, a number of different buckets, kind of depending on their background. So if you take uh, the, the Bioshock series, for example, Ken Levine, former screenwriter. So his focus, yeah, obviously he contributes a lot to design, art, set audio. But his kind of bread and butter is on the narrative design. How do you how do you mix in great story with great mechanics? Um, if you you know look at uh, Marcus Leto, who was a creative director on Halo Reach, former art director. So a lot of his major kind of obsessions and contributions and irrational passions are on on more on the art side than they might have been on design or story. And so for me, uh, I was I was really using utilizing my background again in kind of narrative. Uh, and so I was kind of yeah again more more like. I, I kind of follow, try to follow the Ken Levine path of uh, of writing and design, and so main, more most of my contributions, less on like the art side, for example, would be on the, the what the mission layout is, uh, what uh, the moment moment to moment beats are, and ultimately like what kind of story, what kind of experience do we want the player to have, and and working with Frank, it was really clear that we want to tell uh, a really hard hitting story about Master Chief and Cortana. And um, I think, I think. by the way, I didn't ship that title, which I'm sure we'll get to, but uh, I'm, I'm, I've played it, obviously, and I'm really proud of what the team was able to accomplish, but that was really part of the, the initial idea, and, we, and we, we really focused on that. Man, that's so cool. It's like right? such an awesome job, you know, yeah, being able really to, is. like, make the game without having to code it, you know? Yeah. Like, uh -huh. that's, like, my, my thoughts of getting involved in the, in the games industry is I thought I was going to have to be a programmer. You know, mm -hmm. so I start trying to learn it and it's like, oh, wait a second. Yeah. This is really, really hard. Yeah. You know, maybe someone can just ask me what I want a game to look like and do and and sound like and all of that. And then it happens like that would be pretty cool. And it sounds like that's kind of uh, what your roles have been like at, at these amazingly huge, super famous games. Yeah, it's this is actually, I think, a nice segue into some of the, the, the struggles that I had at Microsoft and at 343 was that. So I'm coming from Japan in which we have a very top-down, uh, very strong director type in Hideo Kojima, right? And we didn't follow all of his directives, but we followed the vast majority of them uh, because that's kind of the way that the company is structured. It's a little more uh, the way that games are built in Japan, or at least traditionally. And that's all I really knew. That's all I, so I kind of brought that with me thinking, okay, I'm gonna weave this amazing tale and, 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 and here are the, here's a vision. Here are the pillars. Here's a des design document with all the details. All right, guys, let's go build this thing. And then you know, I look behind me and there's like three people following me in this path. I'm thinking, is it because it's a bad idea or, or is it what's going on here? And I had to really quickly learn that, um, at least in the West, I think the le leadership is not necessarily just do, do what I say uh, and follow this direction. So much of it is about influence. And, and rallying people and understanding what they want to do and trying to find that commonality of like, okay, you guys are excited about all this stuff. I'm excited about all these other things too, but we have a, we, in the Venn diagram, we've got a nice overlap. Now in retrospect, that's what, what I should have focused on and really rally the team so everybody feels like they're part of the process. They're bought in. 
um, because, um, yeah, that's, I think I found that to be much more effective, but at the time I didn't have those tools in my toolbox. Mm. And, uh, and, I, and so I did struggle to get buy-in on things. So yeah, Alex, like I, I think at the beginning of my, my, my time at 343, I was thinking, yeah, this is gonna be awesome. I just kind of just get this thing out and paint this picture and we'll go and build it. But it ended up being, um, a lot harder, which eventually led to my demotion, uh, from creative director to narrative designer on the title. And then eventually uh, being asked to leave before the game shipped, which was, uh, at the time, at least the, 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 the worst and hardest day of my career. Oof. I can only imagine, dude. Wow. I'm sure that hit pretty hard. Yeah. You know, you, you're there making contributions. Like you were doing stuff the whole time you were there. Working you know? hard, getting yeah. up early, going to bed late, working and grinding and making something that, that you thought was, you know, the, the best, the best thing. It's like your baby, right? I mean, you made, you helped so much to make this, this thing. So how did that, yeah, I put uh, so much into it. Yeah. yeah. So then how does that lead to kind of to where we are, um, today? What's the next step? So I'm thinking, I'm sitting there and, and, and thinking, this is, I don't know where I go from here. Yeah. I put so much of this game. I work so hard. Like this isn't fair. Uh, and it took me a number of years for me to realize that yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't the best creative director, even though I still believe in very much what I, what I laid out and what the team eventually built was very similar um, to what we ended up, what to the end of shipping. But I, I just didn't have the, the enough experience, I think, to, in terms of leadership, in terms of direction, in terms of just how games are built. Because I was so, I was so young, right? Uh, and, and it took me a while to kind of come around and, and, and re, re, uh, reconnect with the, some of the leadership at, at 343. And, and we're all friends now, but there was a couple of years where I felt really betrayed and angry. Yeah. Um, but now I, I see that like, I probably would have made the same decision if I was my boss, right? Back in, back in 2011. And so, uh, but yeah, that, that, that led me to directly to, okay, I've got some Microsoft stock now I've got some money in the bank. Um, I'm doing pretty well financially at the time. So I decided, Hey, uh, I'm just going to use this money and I'm going to show these people that I do know how to make a great game and I can do it without constraints by starting my own company camouflage. And here's my first game working with this, with this crazy crew of fairly inexperienced developers. Uh, so we started this game called Republic. And uh, it took it, it was that that game took a lot a lot out of me as well. But uh, we're talking about five years of of end to end development, in which I I was kind of forced to learn every single step along the way. Because if you look at my career up until now, I've been standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, I, I joined Metal Gear on Metal Gear Solid Four. This team has already shipped many Metal Gear titles. The tech is there. The fan base is there. Halo is the same thing, right? And now new IP. No established team, no established tech. I mean, it was it was video game development on hard hard mode, and we had our uh, our fair share of ups and downs. Wow! So this game, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember this game coming out. Uh, I think it came out first on Steam, and then it came to did it come to Oculus Go? <laughs> yeah. It, it, we, we would run out of time if I listed up all the platforms that you know, <laughs> came to, uh, but started off as a, as a mobile title, as iOS. We did a Kickstarter, soon brought it to, yeah, to Steam, uh, and then PlayStation 4, once all the five episodes were, were done. And then, yeah, and then we, and that, that led us to our first business relationship with Oculus, mm. uh, become meta, right? But, uh, and and they, they worked with us to bring Republic to Gear VR, and Oculus Go, and that was Gear our first VR. foray into VR, and um, and we had an absolute blast. 
Wow, so initially a mobile game ends up being like a PC console game and everybody still loves it, which is amazing. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know, I feel like people like like talk smack about mobile gaming for the most part, you know? Like, obviously there's a lot of yeah. mobile games Especially out there that back make in the day. an insane mm -hmm. amount of money. Like, it's yeah. some of them just make so much money, it's crazy. Um, you know, but like, I personally don't play a ton of mobile games, you know, there might be right. like one that I pick up every now and then, but in terms of like a full blown, like I'm going to play this whole game kind of game, it's very, very rare. Yeah. And it's wild because everyone has a phone in their pocket right. and not everyone has a console or a PC, right? But mm -hmm. if there's a game available on the app store somewhere, whether it be iOS or, uh, Android, you know, Google play or whatever, then then it's a, it's accessible accessible to people, right? right? People can grab it. They can play it on their way to work. They don't have to sit there in front of the TV and play. So this is a this is a huge a huge um, piece of gaming. Mm -hmm. You know, even though like I feel like you know me and you don't mobile game much because we have yeah. so many amazing <laughs> consoles and VR yeah, devices and right yeah, VR devices. Yeah. Yeah. Why uh, the, the the vast majority of people uh, on this planet don't play console games? Don't play PC games. Don't play VR games. They're playing mobile games, and mm -hmm. uh, it just it dwarfs everything else. And uh, and I, I saw that as an opportunity for us to to bring a high quality, story driven, episodic stealth action game that you can play with one finger. That was really the design to take the eighteen button required input scheme of Metal Gear Solid and distill it down to one touch on that touch screen. Uh, massive, one of the hardest design challenges I've ever faced. Yeah, it's very um, and, ambitious. And, and, but, uh, you know, it, because I, I didn't really like a lot of the mobile titles at the time, maybe Infinity Blade was pretty cool. Uh, this is oh, yeah. before Clash of Clans and stuff yeah. like this. This is before Free-to-Play. And we launched a premium mobile title at the beginning, um, eventually getting smashed, absolutely smashed by Free-to-Play titles. And they took over and we were left in the dust. But um, the, the initial idea was, hey, let's bring kind of a console-like experience to mobile. Nice. So, and you know, you're, you're out there, you're like, okay, this game is great. You know, we're getting a good reception to it. You know, I've, I've glanced at it. It has great reviews and, you know, people seem to enjoy it. Let's get it on as many different platforms as we can. You know, it's like that, how the initial interest in VR happened just by like exploring new platforms to get the game to. You know, Alex, I, I think I, I earned my stripes, uh, leading camouflage for 11 years because it, it, it was not easy. It, it was, you know, we frequently ran out of money. Uh, developing, we probably it was took you know again an inexperienced team, inexperienced founder and CEO and director really, uh, and so the game came out. Yeah, the first episode, global featuring from Apple. Uh, you couldn't ask for more support from them, and then look at the sales numbers; they just weren't there. And that was that was holiday 2013, and that was really what you look back in history as the as the holiday that free to play took over in which people realize that they don't have to make a $5 gamble on something they see on the app store when they have countless titles they can play for free and try them out. And then they eventually get into like that kind of uh, monetization scheme. But so we were kind of left in the dust really tough, but had to just just beg, borrow and steal to get to, uh, to be able to fund episodes two and then episode three and bring it to more platforms and make lots of different deals with with Amazon to bring the game to Fire Phone, to work with Unity to help uh, showcase their technology. I mean, just barely, barely, barely made it, made it to episode five, the final episode, which we brought to PlayStation 4, and then eventually to VR. So the reason why we did VR is, you know, we were interested in VR to begin with. We were fascinated by the technology. We had a DK1 in the, in the office and trying out 
like what happens if you just plug in the dk1 into unity and play republic first person in vr like we did all that stuff i don't know 2012 or, or, or somewhere around that time 2013 maybe um but uh we we, we didn't do the Re republic vr title for uh with oculus just out of pure passion for vr like oh we could expand our user base we did it because we needed the money yeah mm. and uh and it, uh, my it, 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 it gave me this indication early on like these are special people and they treat developers really well i'd like to work with them sometime in the past not knowing that yeah it will be working very closely in the future wow so i think we're getting pretty close to present day you know like iron man came out on the playstation before it came out to the quest uh, like Skiva mentioned earlier, um, can you get us to where Iron Man starts to become a thing? Sure. So we, we shipped Republic uh, in 2016 and worked on a title that was never formally announced or shown uh, working with Square Enix. It was canceled. Uh, and it, was a, it was a Battle Royale title before Battle Royale was a thing. One of my greatest, I think, I made a lot of mistakes, guys, and I have a lot, my list of like failures and mistakes are much much greater than my accomplishments but one of my my proudest accomplishments was i went to to headquarters of square enix wrote up a really quick pitch for what i thought would be a really amazing type of a multiplayer game that i, was, I just called battle, battle royale because i was inspired by the japanese film i love that movie by the way i had mm -hmm. predicted yeah it was an awesome film i was like they, they got mm -hmm. this is the perfect structure for a multiplayer game yep uh, not knowing that that was going to become a major major genre but we were working on a battle royale title before h1z1 or PUBG or any of those games, and it was canceled before any of those games came out. Um, and so that was like, you know, I was really proud of the fact that I kind of pre predicted or predated uh, Battle Royale. But at the end of the day, we made we didn't make it make the game, and so that that uh, that was another tough moment for the team. And so when uh, when it was canceled, I had we had like thirty thousand dollars in the bank, uh, team of thirty five people. I don't know how I was going to make uh, ends meet. Um, one of our early investors. Uh, called me and said, hey, I'll give you a loan for a few hundred thousand dollars to keep the lights on while you go find your next project. And then I just very quickly went into hardcore biz dev mode, traveling the world, uh, which um, led us to, to, the, to, the, to a partnership with Sony and, and Marvel uh, for, 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 for Iron Man VR. But that took some months to get together, as you know, these, these, these things just don't happen overnight. So meanwhile, the team was working in VR because this VR is just so exciting in 2016 in particular. And so they just, they, they just made all these cool prototypes and stuff like that. And that led us to show uh, Marvel and Sony that we can execute on, on a really big and, 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 uh, and kind of marquee PlayStation VR title um, that we didn't realize was going to take us about three and a half years to, to, to realize. But yeah, that's what it took. Wow. So, I mean, Marvel, Iron Man, these are really, really popular IPs. Like Marvel's, I don't know, arguably in the top five most popular yeah. RP IPs in the world. Um, when these deals kind of started coming together and you're like, holy crap, I'm sitting across the table from Sony. Oh, and is that Marvel? Yep, it sure is. Were you like already used to like working with, like, the, like running with the big dogs, so to speak? Or were you like realizing how huge these companies are and like trying to play it cool kind of, you know? <laughs> I'm lucky that, you know, my first game job was Metal Gear Solid. Right. And, you know, the first one of the first trailers I worked on was the the biggest trailer at E3. And, you know, we're 
there's fans everywhere. It's exciting. And then Halo is a huge deal too. So for me, I, I, I haven't, I don't have, I don't get as maybe as starstruck as maybe I should just cause mm-hmm. I was, my early career was being associated with such major franchises. And for me, I was in survival mode too. So I love the, the Marvel guys that, uh, that my friend Brian Intahar from Insomniac, the, the creative director on, on Spider-Man, yep. um, introduced me to the guys at, at Marvel and said that they were looking for VR content. And, um, and so I was, uh, just in, in I, you know, I was desperate to, to find our next project, right? But also, um, so enamored by the idea of what would what would it be like to be Iron Man in VR? It seems like this like a perfect pairing, and I think everybody kind of agreed. The the the, the trick though, and the real challenge though, was that Marvel understood that as well, and they said, "Hey, Ryan, you know, no offense, but you know, we see Camouflage as a up and coming studio." We really liked Republic, um, you know, but you only have 35 people and Iron Man is kind of our crown jewel for VR. So no offense, but we're probably going to go find a bigger, more established developer to bring Iron Man to VR. No offense. But like, why don't we talk about some other characters or some other IPs? And, you know, growing up, like reading a lot of Iron Man, again, just understanding just how perfect Iron Man would be for VR. We made a quick prototype. I went and scrounged up a bunch of like investor money um, to to back the game, and uh, and then I I created the best pitch I possibly could, and took it all down to L.A., put it in front of Marvel, and said, "Hey, I know you said this is going to go to some other bigger studio, but let me I'm going to prove to you why 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 we can we can make this great," and um, it was because of the team's prototype and uh, and really the pitch that we put together that really blew them away, and they're like, "Okay," and we got the I got the handshake at the end of that meeting, and yeah. Um, yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> wow. That's so rad. Impressive. So did you grow up reading Iron Man comics or did you watch the movies? Um, what what was the game more kind of, what was your influence more based from the movies or the comics? Or Yeah, for, for me growing up with the comics, uh, I mean, I love the films, right? And RDJ is, is Iron Man is uh, legendary, right? And mm-hmm. uh, especially the more you know, the, towards the end of that with the, I was always I was along with along the, along with everybody else with Avengers, with Infinity War and Endgame. But yeah, growing up reading the comics, and I've always been one of those guys that, uh, like Metal Gear, I grew up loving Metal Gear. Some kind of fanciful, but grounded story. So less about the superpowers and, uh, and more about heroes that I can relate to that yeah, maybe have a special power here or there uh, but fairly grounded like iron man or like batman um and so that's those are those are the mainly the comics that i i read growing up and so it was a natural evolution for me to i think to kind of just start thinking about how that all work and pulling references in there and then again the, the team uh just putting together this amazing prototype we hooked up a vive uh to to uh and and just put some thrusters on the player's hands and thinking this is not going to work because yeah but you guys remember early days of vr especially oh yeah it's still some of it it's, it's a little bit of unknown territory still we're still all learning but especially back there it's like how does like locomotion work uh what's a compelling experience what's not gonna make people sick and we had all the reasons on paper why this wouldn't work but and then we're flying around these gray box cityscapes flying around as iron man shooting stuff ground pounding rocket punching enemies and going this is amazing are we crazy and we would just bring people in like no this is awesome uh, we would have some people uh, in the industry uh, from larger companies come in and just play the game for for hours, and, and they're like, "I'd rather play this gray box than some finished like VR games out there." I think you have something special here, guys. And thankfully, Marvel agreed when they played the prototype. That's so great! So, boom, you get the handshake. Let's start development on Iron Man for PlayStation VR. 
had you used a PlayStation VR and were there some challenges designing for this platform? Cause like we just mentioned earlier, like, you know, tracking can be really wonky and weird on that console. And a lot of people who played Iron Man said that for some reason, this game worked better <laughs> than others, you mm -hmm. know? So, uh, so what was it like developing for uh, a, the PlayStation VR and you know, what kind of challenges did you have to overcome? Yeah, there's there's a there's a kind of a gray opaque section of my of my Iron Man VR development story that someday we'll get into. It's not entirely super interesting, but it there was a gap of time and, and work that had to be done from the moment that we started the title to the moment that it became a PlayStation VR title. So we just kind of went headfirst into into PC VR mm -hmm. mode, just building the game and developing it, um, and then eventually. Uh, I was able to to work with with, to, with Sony to to explore this idea with Marvel that hey maybe rather than focus on PC VR why don't we go all in on PlayStation VR and make this a marquee title for for that platform which as a as a consumer I was I was I just fell in love with uh, the moment that I, I got mine in, in in October of 2016 playing Res Infinite and, and Job Sim and and you know eventually all, also many of the great the great titles that came out on that platform even though maybe from a technology perspective it isn't as impressive as like the vibe that we were using at the time or the Oculus Rift to develop uh, Iron Man VR just the fact that it was easy to set up relatively speaking right it didn't have to do lighthouses and stuff like that I could just sit in front of my couch and play so but we knew that it was going to be a challenge and and one of the major challenges that we knew that we had to smash and Skiva you alluded to this earlier was the tracking and the fact that the PlayStation VR only has that one camera that you sit of you know above or below your TV and with Iron Man VR we wanted players to have full 360 movement which meant that players oftentimes would occlude or block the 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 yep. move controllers from for the camera to see it so you kind of in some ways lose a lot of the tracking so how do we still retain the vision of the game while um or having to work within these these kind of technical and hardware constraints and that was yeah that was one of the top top 10 challenges for that title for sure well well i think it's pretty safe to say that you nailed it somehow right you know those uh those controllers, uh, I felt, you know, most games I played on the PlayStation VR, I felt like there was always something missing with the controllers. There's no thumbsticks, right? There was, there was right. issues well, with the tracking and, and uh, you know, if you had any reflective surfaces in the room and that the camera could see and things like yeah. that. But uh, these controllers, for some reason on Iron Man, just felt right, you know? What like did the, you do? Yeah. What kind of black magic is this? <laughs> yeah, we, we, the, the team developed some black magic that uh, took advantage of the accelerometer and uh, and some kind of predictive algorithms to try to try to because we had a general sense of what the player was meaning to do when we got even though we got limited inputs at times when they were blocking the camera, and so that was I mean years of of development and trying to make it work and going down a lot of wayward paths that didn't that didn't. Uh, uh, pan out for us, but that is really the nature of VR development. Um, I mean, it's the nature of game development in general, but especially with VR, and that's why you know publishers like Sony or or Oculus uh, and others. They, I think, they understand that it's like kind of part of the nature of VR, and it's why it's exciting and fun to work in VR. But it's why it sometimes takes more time to develop this content because you're just the, the the rule book is just so thin compared to what you have like on a flat screen game, right? Yeah. And so yeah, it was just a lot of lot of development focus on that and, and trying to realize that full that full experience that we wanted players to have on that on that hardware. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a very, very, very challenging project. 
um, that you know took a lot out of me and the team, which seems like a reoccurring theme here. But yeah, you know, we're passionate game developers, and we just want it to be awesome. Mm-hmm. So you know, the game was a PlayStation VR exclusive. Was it like, did you know that one day it would end up getting onto another platform, or like when you developed it and released it on the PlayStation, like at that time, was it like supposed to be a PlayStation game? Yeah, it was. It, Iron Man VR was meant to be just exclusive to PlayStation VR. And that was it. That was all the discussions that we had had. And so we just put everything we possibly could into it. You know, the, the, for, 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 for players and, and, and who, who, who purchased the game on PlayStation VR, especially uh, in the, in the, in the first months, we'll probably remember that the game was delayed a handful of times. Um, some of them were, were our fault. Like we thought we'd be done and we needed some more time. And Sony was super gracious to give us more time. Uh, but one of the big reasons that we had to delay uh, was also because of COVID hitting um, right as we're going to Gold Master. I think it was within like a week or two of us delivering our Gold Master disc is when when COVID hit, and it hit in Seattle. It was the first area, if you guys remember, uh, when in Kirkland, Washington, with this first the first uh, case of COVID in, in in North America, right down the street from us, and you know, everything screeched to a halt. Uh, for us. And so, yeah, we needed to kind of rethink how we're making games, uh, shift everybody to remote, which we're doing so much. Everybody's doing that right now. But at the, in March, April 2020, this was a speaking of not having a, a guidebook or a roadmap, like, well, how do you do this? Right. So we uh, but we we went in there thinking this is this is the platform. This is the only platform and we're going to make it as good as humanly possible. Um, and you know, the game came out and, and we were, I think, happy with a lot of the reviews, but disappointed by some of them as well. Um, which, uh, was, 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 a, was, was tough for, for some of the people on the team. Mm-hmm. So how does it, how does it manage to make its way over to the quest after, after not initially making any plans to do that? Well, we, so we, you know, we, we put it all, we put it all in the field, as they say, right. And. And we, a number of months go by because we, we shipped in the summer of 2020 and we're starting to shift towards our next project. We're working with Oculus on a big title um, and uh, which we're continuing to do right now. Uh, cool. And and so we're, we're back in VR, which is awesome. And we were exploring lots of different ideas. But I think the team, generally speaking, we, we, we decided to, to jump back into VR again, really out of mainly the, the guidance I received from um, some some local video game development uh, developer CEOs that they came and visited us right before the pandemic. And they, they played Iron Man and they said, they're asking me what camouflage is going to do next. And I said, well, you know, we're interested in doing some more PC, maybe go back, maybe try console. And these guys like cornered me and said, like, why would you do that? Like, why would you go into this red ocean with all of us, <laughs> with your team that hasn't shipped on, you know, hasn't shipped a PS5 or an Xbox Series X game or whatever. Um, and where you're doing amazing things on VR, why don't you guys double down on VR and become masters of VR? Um, and I really took that, that advice to heart. I explained that to the team. I think they got it as well. I'm like, yeah, like we've got, we got more that we want to do in VR and we feel like we've just learned so much that we can apply those learnings to the next title. And so that's, that's what we've been doing for a number of years. Uh, and then the, the game awards and like uh, at PSVR without parole and so many other outlets are doing their, their end of the year uh, kind of awards uh, uh, ceremonies for for 2020, and we were really pleasantly surprised, like how much how much positive reception we got on Iron Man VR for PlayStation VR, which I think kind of I didn't know at the time, but I think set the stage for us bringing the game to Quest Two, even though the game lay, lay dormant for a long time, and we thought it was over, right? We thought we were done, 
Um, but then, yeah, then uh, uh, a gentleman from Oculus uh, Studios uh, messaged me and, and uh, this, you know, relatively recently of looking back at my timeline and said, hey, you know, it's been a year or two maybe since you worked on Iron Man VR uh, for PlayStation VR, but what do you think about bringing it to Quest 2? There might be a path here. And uh, yeah, that's a, whole, that's a whole other story. But uh, yeah, the game laid dormant for, for a long time, actually. Wow. I'm like, I'm wondering if there's like, like, you know, when you initially plan to have a game come out as an exclusive for one console, is there like a statute, statute of limitations on something like that? Or like when you realize you want to send it to another console, is there like a bunch of like bureaucratic red tape that you have to cut through to be able to get to a decision where everyone is okay with that kind of thing? Yeah, every every title's different. Every title's got a different uh, kind of business arrangement. And when we developed Iron Man VR for PlayStation VR, it was really Sony's title. It was a Sony published uh, first party, second party title. And uh, but you know these are these are these 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 contracts are 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 written by by human beings, right? Who can talk through and can be convinced to do uh, to try something different and and kind of deviate from the path. And so that's, I wasn't privy to the moment to moment on this, but it was pretty cool to, to hear that Marvel, Sony, and Oculus, Meta are, are, are talking about how can we bring this game uh, to another platform to Quest 2. And uh, yeah, because I never thought that was going to happen. I never thought we would have a second sh shot at the game. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and we're, we're so happy that, that ended up happening. They, they, they afforded us the opportunity, which... Uh, we should talk about the, the work that we put into to the Quest 2 version, but yeah, I was so, so happy to have that opportunity to go back to it. Oh yeah, we, I mean, everyone else is so happy too, you know, like a lot of people got their introduction to VR from the PlayStation VR, but a lot of people yeah. didn't. Well, mm -hmm. most people got their introduction to the vr to vr via the quest you know, and given right. like some of the limitations of the hardware of the PlayStation VR 2, it almost seems like it would just work better as a quest game, you know, better tracking and more buttons and, and thumbsticks if you want them and all that kind of stuff. So when you realize like, okay, boom, we're ready to go. We're bringing this thing to the quest too. This is awesome. And you start the that development process or that porting process. Was there like all these moments where you guys are like, Oh, sweet. Oh, thank God. Oh, this works better. That works better. Or was it still pretty challenging to make it happen? Very much the latter. Yeah, uh, very, much, very challenging because yeah, you, you you when you sit down and you think about it for thirty seconds, you think okay, you've got more advanced uh, tracking. The, the touch controllers are great, right? Uh, and no 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 disrespect to the PlayStation Move controllers, but they were designed actually not even for VR in mind originally, right? All right, PS3, uh, and, mm -hmm. right? Yes, yeah, they're yeah they're PS3 accessories, uh, and and again, Sony all credit goes to them to take that technology and the PlayStation Eye technology and, and a great headset and, and shipping the PlayStation VR uh, to, and, and bring it to a lot of, to millions of users is awesome. But um, yeah, these, these touch controllers were more modern. The hardware, the Quest 2 has got uh, a solid state drive, um, which is exciting for us because the PlayStation 4 didn't have that. Um, and, and for a lot of other reasons we'll go into, like these advantages of the Quest 2 made us excited, but then you've got to weigh that with the fact that I don't know, we shipped on this kind of kind of heavy PS4 with it's got a lot of CPU and GPU power. And then you kind of weigh that with the, the lightweight of the Quest 2 with a mobile chipset. And how the heck are we going to make this game look great on this mobile device when we put everything we thought we could to into the PS4 version? So I think the, the, the visuals and the graphics, I think, were the, the, were the main source of concern for the team at the beginning of development. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
I would imagine that having a past uh, working in VR, but also working on mobile chipsets uh, must have been quite an advantage to you and your team, uh, knowing ways to optimize for mobile. Um, so I, I would think, right? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, that that, that was a blessing having all of that um, experience uh, working on mobile games in the past. Yeah, that's very insightful, Skiva. And that's exactly the narrative is... Yeah, you could, you could, you, I, could, I can't say any better the way you put it. So <laughs> yeah, our experience really helped us with that. And uh, we kind of rolled up our sleeves. Initially, we, we, we surveyed the team at the beginning of development. We asked them, do you think this is possible for us to deliver a great looking Ironman VR on Quest 2? And I think the majority of the team came back and said that they're extremely dubious of our prospects to be able to, to, to execute on that level. Um, but through the hard work of, uh, of starting at the beginning was our engineering team, just working towards getting the game to work on the Quest 2 and getting it to run. And now it looks awful. It looks like a nuclear winter and it's all just no textures <laughs> are, 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 are firing. Frame rates horrible, but we got something working here. And then we get to get excited because, yeah, the touch controls are, are working really nicely. The load times are really suspiciously short here uh, to, thanks to the SSD. We thought they might get worse over time, but they never did. They were just amazing throughout all the development. The lenses are, are, are sharper and clearer. So even though the art was not looking great. Oh, yeah, I forgot just like how much different that just like looking at UI compared to PSVR and Quest 2, right? It's like there's a big difference. And, um, and then it was just a slog, just like fighting through to get into get bringing up all these visuals to to a level that is performing on Quest 2, but still looks good. A lot of tricks, a lot of optimizations that you met, as you mentioned, Skiva. And, uh, and really led up by a, by a gentleman named Matt Walker on the production side, who, who was originally working at Capcom. I knew him for many years, and he came on to, to join Camouflage full-time, led that project, working with uh, very talented people within Camouflage, but a big help from another developer that you guys might be aware of called Endeavor One. Um, they shipped uh, uh, Arashi, which is a, a samurai kind of ninja game on PlayStation VR. They've been, they've been in VR longer than we have, and, um, and, and, and they were able to put their team on this project and help us you know, help us ship, ship the game on Quest 2. Without them, I don't think we would have been able to do it. You know, uh, you know what I think has the best of, of both worlds and then some? Maybe um, potentially a PlayStation VR 2, right? Ooh. Like, that's got the power to give you some good visuals. Yeah. Any, uh, any thoughts about the PlayStation VR 2? Maybe a a PS5 version of the game or something like that? Oh, I'd love to see the game come to the platform. Uh, I wish it was my, my decision to make, but yeah, um, yeah we, I've got my PSVR 2. I'm, I'm assuming we're going to talk about it a little bit, but I've got it on, on reserve. Looking forward to it arriving on Friday this week. So exciting. Um, can't wait. Uh, I think, yeah, I think the game would look and run beautifully on that hardware, but uh, yeah, as of right now, we're, we're just, we're, we just finished the Quest 2 version and uh, and working on our main title, uh, which is which will be coming out in Quest 2 as well. That's another Quest 2 title. Nice. So I am wondering, um, which I don't think we got yet to, um, you know, Sony, you took the game to them and you're like, yo, we're the guys to make this thing. Um, but did you ever hear from Marvel about like what they thought about uh, the Iron Man game? Like, did they reach out to you or did, were you in contact with them? And like, did you work with them on, on things? Yeah, we worked very very close with marvel uh in fact i think yeah in in, in in many ways we worked more closely with marvel than on sony on on a day-to-day -day basis because of just the 
the, the very rigorous approval process. And you work like we work so closely with them just to get uh, every asset approved, but also to collaborate with them on the creative level, like Bill Roseman on the story side of things and the design um, with like Mike, Mike and the guys. Uh, yeah, it was we were super close with them. And I just I loved I just love those guys as like brothers and sisters. And so uh, even after we shipped the game, we still stay, stay in touch, go on walks with Jay Young, who uh, who runs Marvel Games and we talk about working together again. And um, it's uh, it's it, we've got a very, very strong relationship. So when that opportunity to bring the, the Quest 2 title uh, to, to bring Iron Man VR to Quest 2 came up, it wasn't like, hey, guys, it's been years. You remember me? It was we already had yeah. continued that that, that, that strong um, relationship that we've that we've had with that group. Oh, that's awesome. So you're just you got the, the homies over there at Marvel. You're working on a new game coming to Quest 2. Is it? maybe from the marvel universe potentially? <laughs> I, I wish i wish I, I can't wait till uh we could talk about what we're building next uh, i hope you guys will invite me uh, back next and uh and we can we could go, go real deep on, on 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 that game it's it's gonna be really cool and the, and the team is doing a fantastic job uh and and it's not just i get excited about this title uh just like i do lots of other uh recent vr releases and upcoming vr releases because now we're getting we're getting more at bats you know to borrow a baseball reference developers are getting more swings at the plate when it comes to vr and every single swing at the plate you get you get more experience and we're not in that kind of like undiscovered country trying to figure out how does this stuff even work right yeah uh and so what you'll see with our title and other future titles uh from from oculus studios and, and other and otherwise is that yeah the language of vr the technology of vr is starting to kind of settle and that's a really good thing and um, and now we can focus on making great content, really. So you go from uh, making a Sony exclusive to um, the game slowly shifting over and being able to be made uh, for the Quest 2. Um, and then somehow uh, Camouflage gets acquired by Meta. Yeah, can you... Yeah, it's been a busy, busy uh, <laughs> last year or so, right? How does something like that come about? Well, uh, yeah, how do... Yeah, where do I start? But I, I maybe I should start back in 2016, 2017 when we brought Republic VR to 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 Gear VR and Quest Go or Oculus Go, uh, and like I said, they we just loved working with the with the Oculus team there, Chris Pruitt and, and Aaron Davies and the and the and the and uh, and Chris Sarah. They treated us so well, like better than any publisher has ever had ever treated us. Uh, and it just, I was like, we got to work with these guys again. But I had to put that in, in the, you know, in the back of my mind as we focused on what we had to do in the immediate. Um, but once, once we were getting close to wrapping up Iron Man VR, as I mentioned, we started working with them again and it was awesome. It was, and they continued to just treat us so well. And you just kind of like have to like knock on wood and, and think like, is this like is this like real is, are these guys for real the way that they treat us and it, and it was and um and so we as we're developing the title and 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 then and then oculus studios are starting to to to, to bring on more external teams into the family right so uh you know they have senzara they have the ready at dawn they have uh, downpour they have big box right and that's right, right around the time that they asked if we'd be interested in, in joining the family to be acquired to, to join um, the larger group. And at the time, I really wasn't sure, guys, because, you know, you remember why I started Camouflage, which is to be able to kind of call the shots yeah. and, and run an independent shop and not have to worry about the bureaucracy. And, and you remember the last time I worked at a big company? 
it didn't go very well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and so it, it took a lot of kind of soul searching for me, many, many months. And poor Matt Walker, who I mentioned, you know, we share an office here in Japan, and he would have to, he, he, would, he would hear from this from me every day, where on a Monday, I'm like, I think we should do this. I like these guys. It makes so much sense. Like, why don't we just fully commit to VR for, <laughs> from now until the end of time? Uh, and then the next day, Tuesday, I come in the office, I'm like, nope, I'm not doing it. Independence yeah. <laughs> is, is too, too valuable, right? Or, you know, we're getting hit up by all these other, because this was a major, if you guys remember, there was a, a major season of, of, of consolidation and acquisition activity. Um, late 2022, uh, or at late 2021, and then throughout most of 2022. Yeah. Uh, so we were getting our, our, we're getting knocked on the door uh, by, by many, many other companies for acquisition. And so, yeah, it kind of led me to yeah, eventually get on a call with Jason Rubin and, and we talked and we had known each other for years and, and, and the way he described what they want to do at Meta with, with their Metaverse push, with Oculus Studios, the people we'd be working on, the types of projects we'd be doing, the way they were going to treat us. He made it, he made it a very compelling pitch because um, for me, it's not about money. It's about what, what, how can we realize our, our, our true North Star for creating high quality, meaningful games. And now for VR, it's so important to us. Our, our DNA is about VR, really. And, uh, and, and, and it made all the sense in the world. So move forward with, with doing that. And we announced it at Connect uh, in October of last year. It's hard to believe. Yeah. Congratulations. That's, that's definitely yes. a big deal. And I hope it's been going well. It's been going fantastic. I can't, uh, you know, you have, you, you have to take everything I say with a grain of salt, right? Because I'm now at a big company and sometimes, now I have to be a little more careful with what I say. Yeah, yeah. I'm speaking from the heart that it's gone better than I, I thought it was going to go. And I thought it was going to go good. I thought it was going to go really well because, again, we know these guys. You yeah. know their values. We know what they're about. Um, so I knew what I was getting into, I thought. And now from now on the out, inside looking out, I'm like, this place is awesome. Like, we work with so many good people. Uh, you know, you have your, you know, on the outside, you can see the company has its fair share of ups and downs, but you've got an amazing group of people that desperately care about VR, that desperately cares about the customer, desperately cares about this hardware and the software. And we just feel like right at home and super energized every day to, to really push, push everything uh, to the next level. Yeah. I mean, there's duality in, in basically everything is something that I've come to realize in my life. Mm-hmm. Like even the best situations in the world have a dualistic nature to them like there's something that sucks about it like Mm -hmm. it just wouldn't be anything if it didn't have some kind of duality to it so you know while you know a lot of times uh like we can be pretty critical of meta on our show you know because Mm. we're like consumers you know so we're like getting all the trickle down for the most part you know and like um but i do always give credit where it's due like i understand how huge and amazing the quest has been and, and meta's contributions to the vr space and i support them fully as a result of that, I buy all the devices. I talk about all their stuff, their games on my show all the time, you know, so we're definitely supporters. We don't approve of everything that the company does, but you know, as a whole, we're, we are are supporters of what's happening here. Um, but I'm wondering, you know, like most, one of the more recent things that kind of has happened in the scene is uh, ready at dawn's echo VR getting pulled offline. And, you know, basically Bosworth being the one that's like, yeah, it was me. Like I made the decision to do Mm. this, you know, as a guy who, runs and owns one of the companies that's been acquired by this company like do you have any uh thoughts that you can share with us about when that happened like were you like like squirming in your chair a little bit when you saw that go down or or anything like that i i I looked at that thinking i'm glad that there was a lot of internal conversations about it i don't think that that was a decision made in a vacuum yeah um because one of the things i feel 
and one of the many reasons why I'm so happy with with the meta as part of Oculus Studios is that I feel really, really respected as a studio head and as a creator. And so, hey, we want to do this cool thing with with our Iron Man VR. What do you think, Ryan? Are you cool with it? And I didn't know what to expect, right? Because technically speaking, they don't have to ask me to do anything. I'm I'm a I'm a full time employee at Meta, right? I'm not running the show, right? I don't have some kind of contract that says uh, I get final approval on anything anymore, right? And so, uh, what I what I what I really value and what I I can't really speak to, to that to that example in particular, Alex. But uh, what I do know is like it, it's a conversation. A lot of a lot of uh, you know pros and cons are weighed with any major decision. And I uh, know I'm just glad that they're not made in a vacuum. And um, and that's one thing I really respect and, and love about just you know being able to do the, do the work that we do that we are consulted for that kind of stuff. That's awesome. Dude, this has like really been like, I don't know, this is almost like a movie or something for me. You know, I feel like (laughs) there's been like, there's been such a beautifully chronological conversation that has like really helped us get to know you and like understand kind of from a, the guys who's pulling the strings, who's making stuff happen from that perspective. It's uh, really, really awesome. I appreciate you being so like open and forthcoming about like what it's like to do all of this stuff and explaining kind of some of the intricacies and, you know, answering that question, which I was like, should I ask this? Okay, let's ask it. You know, like I appreciate that a lot. Um, but I am wondering, is there anything that like we haven't really like touched on or gotten to that you think is really important that we should mention, whether or not it's about camouflage or, or Iron Man or VR in general, or, you know, something interesting that you've been thinking about lately. I just want to give you an opportunity to kind of uh, bring something that you think is is worthwhile to the conversation well, before we wrap thanks, it up. Thanks, Alex. And I, first of all, I feel I feel bad because, like you know, I know that we, you guys, generally like to make more of a conversation, and it's been um, kind of uh, like like a very yeah chronological uh, history. Well, I'm here for it. This has been really interesting, right? Like this is awesome. Yeah, this is all stuff we generally genuinely want to know. <laughs> this oh, is great. I, I super appreciate you guys' interest. It does mean a lot to me. But yeah, selfishly. Uh, I was I was like super excited because I I could talk about VR all day every day. I'm like, ooh, I get to talk to Skeet and Alex for like an hour and a half just about VR and just in general, just like geek out about what's going on right now, what the history looks uh, has been, what the future looks like. Maybe we need to find another time to talk. But, we'll do uh, it again. But I, yeah. yeah, let's do it again. And um, because I just love this space, I love what you guys do. I think what we're doing on the VR uh, front is so important, and um, and and I think it's worth celebrating. And, and speaking of celebration, the, the, the one thing that we're doing right now that uh, some of some of your listeners or viewers may have noticed is we put out a, a new trailer for, for Iron Man VR uh, um, a, few, a week or two ago. Uh, it was like an accolades trailer, which is a little bit late to the party, I'll admit. Uh, the game came out in November, and we're just now putting out an accolades trailer. But um, the reviews were really kind of trickling in for the title um, uh, over the several weeks and months after the game shipped. And I got to tell you, like... The, the kind of the award season for 2020 was a big jolt of positivity and, ad, and, and like affirmation for camouflage, I think, in terms of what we're able to do. But this season, like seeing, seeing just how incredibly strong the reviews have been for, for Iron Man VR and Quest 2 in particular, like completely blew us away. I'm sure you guys are familiar with like VR Game Critic, the aggregate uh, site for for VR reviews. Mm-hmm. Last I checked, I think we're the fifth highest Quest Two reviewed title ever. Um, wow, which is which is incredible. So all credit goes to to my development brothers and sisters at Camouflage, uh, the guys at Endeavor One, the, our partners at Oculus uh, uh, Studios, 
Marvel and Sony for, for making this all, all happen. So I just want to encourage anybody and everybody to, who's got Quest 2s and PlayStation VR to check out the game. We, uh, we, we desperately care about this title. We want to deliver that, that, that pure Iron Man superhero fantasy of, of, of combining like, you know, the, the, the suit and the superpowers with what you can do in VR and also tell a compelling story about Tony Stark. Uh, so we're really, really proud of it. We're so happy that you guys played it and loved it. And uh, yeah, it was, it's, a good, it's a good time for us right now. Top five? And like, well-deserved. And well-deserved. Like, what are the yeah. other... Like, I, I mean, I, can, I don't feel like we could almost just rattle off the other four. You know? Like, yeah. you know what? Beat Saber, Job Sim. Beat Saber. Uh, um, see, in terms of actual Zenith, reviews, maybe? I think we're at an 88 aggregate, which is super high. But there's a wow. couple that are higher than us. Uh, is, is Tetris Effect up there? I think maybe they might be beating us like 89. Uh, Tetris uh, Effect is two, good. I think it's tied. I think and Moss. 80, 89. Uh, Red Matter 2 is very high up there, too. And uh, now we're already spilling uh, out of the top five. Like, that's crazy. Wow. That's a really awesome uh, ranking to have on, on something that's like considering all the VR games out there. Yep. And to our listeners, I, don't, I mean, I don't know that you need any, any further um, reason to go out and get this game. But I, I will tell you that as a Marvel fan, I've been a Marvel fan since I was a little kid. I've watched every Marvel movie on release day. I've read so many comics. I've played marvel games since the you know the nes all the way up to today nice. and it was it was a dream being able to truly feel like i was getting like i was tony stark and i was hopping into the iron man suit like like me like yeah. i felt like i was iron man yeah it was just such one of the most amazing experiences um that i've had in vr to date um so thank you and your team oh for, thank you. for do you Steven, do, you, do you remember when you first played iron man and like where you're out there on the lagoon and you oh yeah like okay yep pull, pull the pull the, the triggers these are your thrusters whoa you go up uh, do you remember that moment oh i remember <laughs> quite, quite quite diligently i remember i remember i even i even like i have a, i have an eight-year-old daughter and at that time uh she was probably i don't know six going on yeah. seven or something and and you know she saw what was happening on the screen she's like dad you are Iron Man right now. She's like, let me see this. Put the headset on, and she's like, just blown away. I'm like, give me that back. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, cool. oh, just an amazing, amazing experience. Uh, this is what VR is made for, right? To to be able to right. be something that you can never be because it doesn't exist. But like you, you know, it's just like uh, I just can't say enough good things. Thank you to you and your team. You did an incredible job. Really oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, a lot of credit to a lot of people to help me realize it. But, you know, we fought hard, man. Like some of the stuff that we're doing in that game, not easy to do. Like even the stuff you kind of take for granted, like the full full arm, IK arm tracking that we do. Mm -hmm. We thought it was so important to not just have the Iron Man gauntlets yeah. floating out there in the world, but that you could see your whole arms with the, with your, your missiles, your auxiliary weapons. You look down, you see the arc reactor. Um, so it's so important that, cause like, that's one of the first things that people do, by the way, when they go to that lagoon, before they lift off, they like look down and they see the yep. arc reactor, they see their whole Iron Man armor, like from, from like the you know, their neck all the way to their, to the, the, the tips of their fingers. I'm Iron Man. This is awesome. It's that wish for the one you're talking about, Ski, which I think is one of the, one of the best things about VR, right? It is. It really is truly amazing. That's beautiful. Yep. I really love it. Ryan, like seriously, man, uh, it has been an honor having you on the show. You know, you have been involved in the games industry for a long time. You've made huge contributions to some of the most popular IPs in the world, and you just keep doing it. And to just be able to get to know you better, like learn your history, like from you and dive into all of it. 
has been an an absolute blast, man. It's really been great having you on the show, and we really appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much to your to your awesome audience too for for their passion, what they bring to to VR. It's so such an incredible incredibly important component of what we all do. Because at the end of the day, this is we're making games so people play them and they enjoy them. Uh, so yeah, thanks guys uh, for having me. Hopefully, we can do this again sometime soon, so that I can pepper you guys with a bunch of questions about where do you think VR is going, what excites you, what do you think about PlayStation VR two, yep. uh, all the other good hardware that's coming out. We have uh, it's a really like you guys start your show off with oftentimes, which is like it's a good time to be in VR. It, it is. is. It, it really is. is. Yeah. yeah, dude. And like you know, now that we've been able to like you know we needed to learn about you there's just no yeah, way around yeah, that yeah. like we needed that history we needed to hear it from you but now that we've got that out of the way next time you come yeah. on we'll talk about your current project and then we'll start peeling away layers and we'll see if we can Let's get to something juicy down there ryan payton thank you so much man founder of camouflage crushing it out there in the vr world it's been an absolute pleasure until next time we say goodbye everyone say goodbye to ryan thanks bye, everybody ryan. bye ryan thanks so much Talk to you soon. And he is gone. And he is gone. <laughs> just like that. Wow. Pretty, pretty rad, dude. Amazing. Yeah. That was a great episode. That was so much fun. It was absolutely awesome. so much fun. As a Marvel fan, as as an Iron Man fan, as a VR fan, and a fan of, of camouflage. And uh it's it was just great. As a vi- fan of video just games. Just video games. Just yep. in general. Yep. Like obviously, like we're it's we're lucky that a guy like him has gotten into the VR world yes. and now is making amazing stuff, but like you know who does who hasn't heard of the this, these franchises that he's been involved with you know and mm-hmm. like if they, if they haven't they've yeah been living under a rock or yeah, something seriously everybody <laughs> knows who iron man is right now you know like it's even bigger than than halo and 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 what is that uh metal gear and all that yeah um but yeah this was really good and thank you all for watching this bonus pre-recorded episode of between yes. realities um we are going to be back and live very soon for our almost last episode. I think we it have, will be the, the last episode by the time this. Oh, by the time this yep. comes out. Yeah, the next yep. episode will be our our season finale of season six. Uh, three years of Between Realities, six seasons. I guess we do two seasons a year. Mm-hmm. Sounds like that's the way it works. Yep. Um, and we are inviting you, yes, you, to come and join us on the show. So if you are interested in joining us for our community episode as our season finale of Between Realities, we would love to have you join the the Discord. Link is in the description below, and uh, we'll probably have like a channel or something set up or yep. something set up so that way people can get in touch with us and we can arrange to have you come on as a guest and join us. And we'll have a bunch of people on and we'll chat with anybody who wants to come up and it'll yep. go for as long as it has to go and it's gonna be amazing. <laughs> Yeah, the finales are always a good time. Good stuff. Maybe that's why we've gone through so many seasons in three years. So we can get to the finales. Just get to the finales. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good to me. And that's All happening right. next, the next episode. Yep. So hit us up, everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, awesome, man. This was so cool. That was it, right? That's yep. that? That's that. That's that. We'll see you on Friday with everyone. Have All a right. good one. Bye-bye, everyone.